I was praying and lying before the Lord. I heard three words come to my heart. This is the way the Lord does things with me. I'll plan most of the time for weeks. In fact, I've been preparing, as you would know, for years when you're in the ministry. This will be my uh, coming in 24 years in ministry. Um, I started preaching uh, unexpectedly, at least as far as I knew, uh, when I had just turned 20. Um, so I'll finish up 23 years, which 23 is the number of death, and go into 24, which is the number of priesthood, um, come this February. And you learn that you prepare throughout your life, and then what you say is not so much a sermon that you preach, but a message that you've learned and that you've lived. And so what the Lord does with me is I'll prepare and I study and I still pray and seek after His face. But most of the time, in fact, someone asked me yesterday at my house, and I don't remember who it was, or it might have been... It may have been Thursday at Thanksgiving. Are you ready for Sunday? And I said, yes. It was Holly. You asked me last night at my house when I was getting Elizabeth's shoes. We had to bring a couple of suitcases worth of shoes over from the old house to the new house for Elizabeth to get what she needed to wear. Did you get the right ones? Did I get the right ones? They're on. I did, they'll work. That means no. <laughs> Two suitcases full of shoes and there were some left. So, uh, oh, The way the Lord works with me is he'll drop something in my spirit. And sometimes it's a thing that stays with me for weeks and months and years and cooks. And then other times, uh, in the middle of the night, in fact, a lot of the times, and some of the most potent things that I believe that he releases through me, he whispers in my heart in the middle of the night, which is the way that he did it. I can't see all the pretty faces over there. So I'm going to move these back. Uh, last night, and he simply said to me, the resting place. Those were the words that he gave me, the resting place. There's pretty faces over here, too. I want to see y'all. My sister and my other sister right beside her. To even consider... Resting now seems counterintuitive. We've been taught to finish the year out strong. We're Americans. But I don't think rest and finishing strong are mutually exclusive. In fact, the two probably go hand in hand. I know they do in, in the kingdom. God's logic and man's logic rarely intersect. I said earlier, in, in God to go up, you must bow down low. To be first, you must be the last. To become the leader, you must become the servant of all. So it should stand to reason that to finish this year out strong, one might consider entering into his rest. This is a unique phrase, and it's found in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. So we conclude that there is still a full and complete rest waiting for believers to experience the word rest there is the word Sabbath. The Aramaic could be translated, he arose to be the Sabbath for the people of God. As we enter into God's faith, re uh, faith rest life, we cease from our own works just as God celebrates his finished works and rests in them. The word for Sabbath here uh, is not the usual, usual word. It's the celebratory aspects of the Sabbath that are emphasized in the Greek word sabbatismos. So God celebrates his finished work. He doesn't just nestle in it and rest. Uh, we sometimes think that to rest means to be inactive. And that's exactly the opposite of what the rest of God means. To rest is God created the earth in six days. And on the seventh day he rested. Which is to say, uh, like a mother hen, he nestled in or nested in what he had created. That's what Sabbath is. That's the picture of Sabbath. The reality is for us to finish out strong, we must learn to enter into his rest. At a time when we've been subjected to this human experiment, perpetrated on us by the powers that be, locked down in our own homes, forced to wear masks and social distance, to live in constant fear, rest, 
Sounds like a distant dream. But Jesus came to make that dream a reality. In fact, all the way back in Genesis, when God made the garden, he completed his work by making man. And the very next thing that he did was to rest from all his work. And on the seventh day, this is Genesis, and on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. God's original intent and his intent today was for us to enter into his rest. Hebrews 4, 9 says, there remains yet a Sabbath rest for the people of God. God's rest is not a rest from becoming weary, but as one well-pleased. What I mean is, we're not going to enter into a rest because we're so exhausted that if we don't sleep, we're going to go in. It's a, it's, it's a rest saying the job is finished, the work is done, and we're going to enter into the finished work that Jesus has already paid for on our behalf. We'll talk about that a little bit this morning, on our behalf. And for man, that work was completed before he was created. Think about this in the garden. Everything that God was going to settle into, all the, all the things that the man were gonna need, was going to need and to be able to enjoy was already finished and completed and waiting for his arrival. All that God had for the man, his sustenance, food, water, was waiting for him before he was created. The garden was waiting for his arrival, so to speak. Essentially, God invited man just in time to rest with him in the finished work. That's good. That's good. And although the man was cast from the garden, the garden did not cease to exist. In fact, Jesus in the New Testament reminds his followers and invites all of us into that resting place. In Matthew uh, chapter 11, verses 28 and 29, I believe, he says, this is the King James, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I like the Passion Translation, which renders it this way. Are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me, and I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine, learn my ways, and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, and easy to please. That doesn't sound like the Old Testament God they knew. Jesus is trying to give them a new revelation, a new vision. I am gentle, humble, and easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me, for all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. One of my favorite translations of this verse is by Eugene Peterson. You all know that. The Message Bible. And it reads this way. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Then come to me, Jesus says. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. The unforced rhythms of grace, what a mouthful. But that's what Jesus, exactly what Jesus wants you to find. It's not in working ourselves into some frenzy to accomplish something so that we can please him, but learning how to just be. That's what pleases him. 
We say things to God that we would never say to our natural father. And I want you to pay attention to me for the next few minutes. I've only got a few. It is a churchism that needs to be exposed and it needs to be broken. And it's not necessarily evil, but it certainly misses the high calling and it misses the mark. One of them is this. Father, I pray that you just use me. I've said it. I'm in company with how many people say, Lord, I just, Lord, just please use me. There's not a human being in this, in this place, if you had a good relationship with your father, that would walk up to your daddy and say, Daddy, just use me. It sounds sick. I want you to think about this. Because this was the revolutionary revelation, as Brendan Manning says, of Jesus' life and ministry was the Our Father principle. When they said, the disciples said to him, the pattern prayer, teach us how to pray. He said, when you pray, pray like this. Say this, Our Father. Manning, a Manning of all people, you should go, if you don't know anything about Brendan Manning, go read some of his books. They will change your life. In fact, you asked me recently, within a few months, and I said, I don't remember which one I told you, Abba's Child, I think. And the Ragamuffin Gospel. That's a good one. If you want to read, go read Abba's Child and go read Ragamuffin Gospel. They will absolutely and utterly transform your life. Because Brendan Man, and if you know his story, oh my God, it would blow your mind. All the stuff that he had gone through and been through. You okay? In Jesus' name, heal that. Uh, that he had gone through. And he says that the revolutionary revelation of Jesus' ministry was the principle that he's not just mighty warrior and this, and he is, and this everlasting God, and he is, and this, this uh, judge, and he is, and king, and he is, and the line, and all the other things, but he's actually approachable. He is our father. That was the revelation. And so none of us would walk, I would never have walked up to Tony Button and say, Dad, I just wish you would use me. I would never say that, would I? But we say it all the time to the Lord. It's a churchism. It's something we learned. It's churchanity. It's, it's, it's Christianese, but it makes no sense. And it, it robs us from our true identity. God doesn't want to use you. He wants to create with you. You're not a robot in whom God puts his spirit to, to make his will come to pass. No, he actually cares about your input. He actually wants to co-create a, 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 a place with you, a community with you, a communion time with you. Where he, I mean, imagine the one that knows all things but cares about how you think. It's amazing to me what the, the way that uh, the way that the New Testament. Who am I that you're mindful of me? What is man that you're mindful of him? Israel Houghton wrote the song, "I'm a friend of God." Uh, who am I that you are mindful of me? And that you hear me when I call. I mean, who, who, what is man that you're mindful of him? And yet God cares so much and he loves us so much that he created all things that were and then made a man so that he could enjoy the garden with man. We would never say to our natural dad, please use me, which tells me we have not yet arrived to a place of truly experiencing, not understanding, but truly experiencing God as Abba. No wonder we can't find rest. We're too busy trying to please him and earn our way into his reward. Not how it works, my friend. You do not earn your way in into an inheritance. You're born into an inheritance. We really don't know him and we haven't experienced him as father if we're living our life trying to earn his favor and approval. We don't live for approval and we don't live for favor. We live from approval and from favor. Does this make sense? 
We, we don't live to one day attain favor. We understand as in our true identity and our truest self that we are sons and daughters of God himself. And so we don't work for favor, but from the favor of knowing who we really are. And that's the problem. Most of us don't really know who we are. So we're working and, and, and it's the, it's, it, we work to get something. Some of us work to get the mansion just over in glory. Some of us work and live right. So we get streets of gold and all that's fine. But the problem with that is it, it's working towards something that we already have have it's an inheritance it's a, it's a third day principle inheritance a second day principle is sowing and reaping Kelly told us this years ago sowing and reaping to reap something you've got to sow something it's still a New Testament principle, but it's a second-day principle. In other words, it's not the utter, the holy of holies. It's not the utter dimension of God. It, it still works. It's a principle, and it's a law. Whatsoever, it says New Testament, be, be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man sows, that will he also reap. But that's a second-day principle. We think that we have to sow something to reap something because most of us live either in Passover or at best in Pentecost. Very few of us go on into tabernacles and understand, look, I'm here because he paid for something. It's just about me being with him in his place and his presence being with me his presence as I told you before is really it's really a misnomer there is no understanding of the word his presence in the in in the new in in, in the uh, in the old testament it's not about his it's literally the word is his face when you read the words in the presence of the Lord really the way that it would be most correctly rendered would be in the face of the Lord I'm almost finished. Thanks for bearing with me. It's 12 o'clock. We really don't know him. We haven't experienced him as father. But he came to show us father. Is it any wonder if we don't know him that we have not yet entered into his rest? And yet the Hebrew writer tells us there yet remains a rest for us. A nestling into who he is and a settling into our true identity. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. We are heirs of the King and of His kingdom. We did not and could not earn that. We are born into this freedom. It is time for us to receive our inheritance as His sons and daughters and enter into the resting place, the resting place, the settled place, the garden of God where all things are done. He awaits for you there. He's calling to you. From there, the garden is calling. He's calling. Come, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Think about this. He's not going to give you the opportunity to rest. When we hear the word, I will give you rest, we think of some of us, of maybe a quiet room and a bed, and, a, and, a, and if you're in the south, a box fan blowing. You know, we tried that for a week. It didn't work with me and Elizabeth. We got the box fan in and slept like babies for two nights. I almost went into a Shondai dig when we turned that fan on and I woke up the next morning. He helped us sleep. He's not saying I'll give you the opportunity to rest. He's literally going to give you the gift of rest. It's his to give. And the gift is waiting. I can think of no better way to finish out the craziest year any of us have ever collectively experienced and probably individually experienced. The craziest year some of us have ever lived through, but we live through it. Jesus never promised there wasn't going to be a storm, but he did show us it's possible to rest even when the, in the midst of howling winds and whipping waves. He is inviting us to the calling garden. It is lush with everything that we need in this life. Let's choose the end this year in his rest. 
I can think of no better way. Donald Lawrence, Eli, come play on the keyboard for me. Just as I want to go into a time of ministry and then we'll. Donald Lawrence wrote a song, the lyrics of which I want to read this morning. It goes like this. There remaineth a rest, a rest for the people of God. A promise, a finished work, and we must guard it with our hearts. Everything you will ever need was provided for you at Calvary. There remaineth a rest, there is a rest. Yes, there remaineth a rest, there is a rest. A rest, a finished work of the Lord. And the Lord says, have them stand. Let's all stand. Let's all stand. There remaineth a rest, a rest for the people of God. A promise, a finished work, and we must guard it with our hearts. Everything that you will ever need was already provided at Calvary. There remaineth a rest. There is a rest. A finished work of the Lord. Well, here we are. We have one month left in 2020. Nyan's here. You've been here the whole service? I didn't even see you. I've missed you. I love you, Nyan. The Lord is calling to us to the resting place. Not to, not to strive hard and work hard and finish out the year strong. And I don't mean for you not to go to work tomorrow. That's between you and God and, and your bills if you have them. You might want to think about going if you still have those bills. <laughs> so I'm not giving you permission to skip out. What I'm telling you is there's a place in the Lord where you can find, where you, you're going to stop, you will cease from all your labors. You'll realize it doesn't matter if I do good or do bad. Now, the Holy Spirit is always going to lead you into doing things that are after His kingdom. But you don't lose who you are because you happen to mess up. The Father doesn't look down and say, well, He was my son, but, you know, He did those, that pet peeve sin or whatever. So now He can't. No, no, no. The only sin, sin does not mean smoke a cigarette, drink, or have sex with somebody you should, or any of those. That's not what sin is. Sin is missing the mark. The ultimate understanding of sin is seeing yourself as anything less than God's original design. That's literally what sin is. The symptom or the, or the effects of sin is all the other stuff I just named in some instances. I don't think that you're sinful if you happen to be a smoker. That's fine. If that's what you do, whatever. If you happen to drink or you happen to do the other stuff, I don't think that makes you a sinner. What, 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 in fact, I don't think you're a sinner at all. If you really want to know my opinion, I think that you're ch children of God that just don't know who they are yet. My job is not to come get you saved. My job is to come lift the veil over your eyes and realize, oh my God, I've already been saved. I've already been redeemed. I've, all, I've, all, I've, already been, I've already been grafted into this family and I didn't even know it. I've got this freedom and I didn't know it. I've got this inheritance and I didn't know it. And this rest that all of us, all of us needs is waiting. And the Father has already provided it for us. See, you mean in the midst of this craziness, in the midst of this insanity, the Lord says, hey, I wrote a song years ago and it says this, come up hither to where I am I bid you come take your rest come and lie down with the lion come and lie down with the lamb taste and see partake of me and let it now be done it's the consummation creator and creation becoming one come take your rest 
Everybody with me, let's do something real spiritual. Just take a deep breath. A big inhale through your nose. and You made it 11 months into this year. You're going to make it through next month. And we're to go into 2020. And you, at some point in your life, you're going to look back at this year and say, man, we were worked up over, over, a, over a whole bunch of nothing. We allowed ourselves to get worked up into a frenzy over something. In fact, there's a scripture in the Bible that says, even when you see the enemy, you would look and say, you mean this, this little rat is the one that deceived the nations? You, I can't believe, you're telling me this little, he's nothing as they used to say, but a mouth with a microphone or a mouse with a microphone. That's all he's got is a microphone. And the louder you turn up his speaker, the more fear you're going to get. But if you ever reach over and turn that thing off and say, the only voice that I listen to is the voice of Jesus Christ because his sheep know his voice and another voice they won't follow. And his voice is, is crying to you this morning, pleading, come rest with me. But Lord, if you saw, I see it and I know it. But I know a whole lot that you don't know yet. Come rest with me. But Lord, if you knew what was happening in my now, I know what awaits you in your future. Come rest with me. But Lord, all oh, the walls are falling down. I can blow with my nostrils and cause the sea to part and become walls for you. Come rest with me. But Lord, if you knew what they said, I know what I've already declared over you. Come rest with me. You get the point. I could go on and on and I won't do it for the sake of time. But he's calling us into a place of rest. The, it, it, it's a place of rest. So this morning, it, just, as a, just, as a, just as a sign, if you want to do this, just as a, as, a, as a connection point, as a contact, if you want to come up here and pray, I'm going to pray over everybody that steps up here. I'm going to pray everybody that doesn't. But if, if you want to, okay, Lord, I'm hearing what he's saying and that whole rest thing sounds good. How can I get there? Come on up. Come on up here. Just stand up here with me. You can stand, kneel, whatever. You can stay where you are. It doesn't matter to me. But for some of you, you need to move. It's, a, it's an act of faith.